Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Convery. I'm your host, Brian Convery. On today's Black History Month talk, I have invited Noelle Amigua to join me. Noelle is a graduate from Sheridan College with an advanced diploma in business administration finance and has held positions as a student union board chairperson and an ACTUS project director while attending Sheridan College. Noelle also holds a Bachelor of Technology Environmental Engineering from the University of Benida in Cameroon, located in West Central Africa. He is currently employed at BMO as a business analyst in wealth management operations. He serves as a volunteer communications co-lead for the BMO Black Professional Network and a BMO Wellness Champion. Noelle will be starting an investment banking secondment role in BMO Capital Markets in May of 2023, a role he's always coveted. Noel has his own YouTube channel, at Noel Imigua, where he shares tips and tricks on how to immigrate to Canada and live that Canadian dream. Noel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Brian, for having me. Thank you. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Me too. Me too. I'm really excited for you to chat and for our audience to hear your yeah. amazing story. Um, <laughs> Thank so, you. So what are your pronouns? Uh, so he, him. Great. And do you prefer social time or alone time? Um, it depends. If I would choose to choose one, I would say alone time. <laughs> alone time, okay. And what is your superpower? Um, my superpower is, I would say, networking. Networking, awesome. Do you have a favorite smell? Hmm, favorite smell. I think I like, if I were to choose one, you know, the smell after rain. Like the earthy ah, smell. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's an, wow, that's the first smell after rain. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I sometimes like, especially given where I grew up in Africa, you know, it usually would be very dusty. And when there's like the the, um, the rain hits the the dust, yeah. there's this earthy smell. It reminds me every time, even when I'm in Canada and I get that scent, it reminds me of back home in Cameroon. Yeah, isn't it funny how I asked this question because these this question definitely brings out a sense of other things, right, related to it. So it's so interesting to hear how that brings you right back. That's cool. Um, best compliment you've ever received? Best compliment. I think, uh, of course, I do receive lots of compliments, but I think the one which um vividly comes to my mind is that oh noel you really have a, a kind heart wow. i think that spoke to me and it made me really feel special and it made me feel like i was a good person so like you have a kind heart yeah that's awesome that's awesome what a great compliment and and i can see you do, you do have a kind heart so <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> and uh go to snack do you have something you like to snack on chocolate every day chocolate <laughs> <laughs> Do you, yeah, learn, like chocolate. do you learn best by watching or learn by doing? Absolutely watching. Um, recently started studying for my CF level two. And uh, every time I would always go for the videos other than reading the notes. So I, I learned by watching. Awesome. Do you have a, did you have a favorite subject in school? Oh, physics. physics. I studied, um, I come from the science background. Interesting, you know, how I am now in business, but I always love physics. Physics. Awesome. I, hey, I like that. What was your very first job? 
my very first job, I think it was kind of uh, working for myself because I remember starting a business where I was in high school. Um, it was just buying and selling stuff. So I'm not sure if that's a job, but I think yeah. my first job was working for myself. But when I came in Canada, my first job was general labor. I was working in this factory. It's in Rampton and it was a 12 hour shift. I'm looking forward to actually telling the story, but yeah, yeah. pretty much that was my first job in Cameroon. I think I was um, 14. I was working for myself. And when I came to Canada, it was actually a general general labor job three years okay. ago, actually. Wow. Well, a lot has changed in three years. I can't wait to get to your story. Um, yeah. Final rapid fire question. Describe yourself in one word. Hmm. One word. Uh, I would say Christian. Christian. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. This is where we want to get right into it. So in 2016, you had a really strong desire to become a financier and but did not have the financial means to sponsor yourself. You took a job in a plantation away from your home in uh, Bam, Bamnita. Is that how I pronounce that? Bamnita, Cameroon? Yeah. Isolated and away Bamenda, from your, yeah. Bamenda, thank you, Bamenda. Uh, isolated and away from your family and friends and you had to work extremely hard doing odd jobs to save as much money as you could for your education in Canada. You applied to immigrate to Canada in 2017, was refused, applied again in 2018, was refused for the same reason that you did not so, show sufficient funds to afford an education in Canada. You doubled your work hours, your efforts, you knocked on every door that you could and finally got more funds and applied again in 2018 and got approved in 2019. What an amazing story of resilience and determination to achieve that goal to come to Canada. Can you take us back to that day in 2016 and what has that journey been like for you? Wow, thank you very much. Um, you know, the way you said it, it's just bringing back those memories back in the days where I, um, I finished school. Again, just taking us back to where it all started. I remember it was sometime in 20, um, 15, I believe when my journey actually started, you know, when I, I started living intentionally, you know, waking every day with um, the intention to create the life that I want as opposed to just accept it, you know. And I was watching, we didn't have uh, YouTube where you could go and watch things. We didn't, we didn't necessarily have access to the internet, but there was this TV channel. I remember it so well, Business Television Africa. So they used to always rebroadcast some of the programs from Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. And I was very interested in business. I've always been interested in business. I finished uh, high school. I went to the university. I was studying environmental engineering. And this fateful day, I was in front of the TV. And they were rebroadcasting Bloomberg. And for some reason, they had a program. I think they called it the Hour of Success. And they were showing Zig Ziglar that day. And I remember very clearly, I was lying on the couch and um, this program came on and Zig Ziglar said something. He said, he was trying to demonstrate a scenario where there was a ladder. And he said, there are many ways, you know, he was just uh, saying, there are those who would see this ladder and recognize its presence. And then they would try to go above it, go around it. There are those who would see it and pretty much just give up. And he said, there are those who would never stop trying to get on the other side. And they would figure out how to make it work. And that was the first, first ever self-help program content or book or whatever you 
put it that ever I ever came in contact with. I became so curious. Every time I would tune into that same TV station, trying to catch that program. And again, from there, I started listening to motivational words. You can be whoever you want to be. You can be the best. You can recreate your circumstances. And um, I don't necessarily come from you know, a wealthy background, but those messages stuck with me. Again, I did, I decided um, after watching business, I, re I did some research. I was going to be an investment banker. That was in 2015. And um, I didn't have the funds. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I just knew what I wanted to do. Um, and it was investment banking, 2015. My parents didn't have the money. But again, my research showed that Cameroon did not necessarily have the stock market. The only stocks, I think they have like four securities on the stock exchange. <laughs> That's funny. If you think about four securities compared to thousands of securities over here. So I determined that it wasn't going to be the place where I would build that career. And all the research and information I was exposed to suggested that investment banking was almost impossible to crack. And you had to come from the right target school. You have to have the right GPA. You have to be networked to the right persons. Again, I was in Cameroon, thousands of miles away. And I was thinking, where could I make this dream happen? You know, I didn't have the funds. But again, um, after my research, it suggested that Canada was that place which had, I think, one of the biggest capital markets in the world in terms of stock exchanges. And um, there was USA, but I thought Canada would be the place where I would have the most chance because of the diversity and inclusion. It was one of the most diverse countries with um, you know, people from different racial backgrounds. And I thought if I had a shot, especially at the time, given marginalization of, uh, in quotes, black people, you know, and the challenges that they encounter. I was looking for a place where I will have a chance. And I thought Canada would be that place. So that's how it all started. I designed a 50 year map, life plan on the map, 50 years. And I look forward to wow. telling you some of the content and how it, <laughs> it has evolved, right? Applied the first time, it was rejected. The second time it was rejected for the same reason, you could not afford it you know, to come to Canada. And I spoke to my dad, I said that, you know, um, this is something which I believe I can make it, I can make it work. Um, investment banking, I, I, I used to do business, you know, at a small scale, I had like poultry, a chicken farm, about uh, 20 chickens, and it grew up to like 500. And I said, I would like to travel to Canada to make this business thingy work at a bigger scale. And he said, you know what, I will support you best I can. The last time, we uh, pulled funds from all over, borrowed some money, and I started again my, my job, doubled my hours, and I was able to raise the funds that was necessary to prove to the Canadian government that I could sponsor myself, which is very expensive. And I applied, came to Sheridan, and that's how it happened. And the rest wow. was history. It's, it's a long story as well, but... No, it it's so... <laughs> I'm, my head is trying to unpack everything you've said, and starting from the minute you said um, living your life with intention, which really right. means a lot. Um, and, and thinking for our viewers, our listeners here, like, you know, that, that is a, that's a huge step right there, right? To know that you have to live with intention to make these goals come a real and become alive. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm still digesting everything you said. I just find it, um, so, so incredibly packed with resilience and 
determination and even the chicken farm um you know the chicken farm idea where you started out and went to 500 like that in itself shows entrepreneurship and desire to be successful and it, it it's just it's so incredible can i ask you um when you went took the job at the plantation um you know wh what year was that again was that 2015 16 Right, so I finished school, I believe that was in um, 2012, I believe when I finished high school, right about. Yeah. And I started working right after then, because when I was in, in uh, university back home, I was very entrepreneurial, I was very proactive. Right. And uh, I always was a leader, you know, I would always raise my hand to do a lot more than was asked of people. So I was actually given the opportunity to be the student union, um, president at the time back in my school in the University of Bermander. And so in that capacity, I demonstrated leadership. Um, you know, I demonstrated uh, initiative. So one of my professors, they took note of me. So the vice chancellor of, or I think was a registrar of the University of Douala, the biggest, second biggest university in Cameroon, now was looking for a young engineer from an agricultural school to take care of his project. He was launching an engineering project, uh, mm -hmm. plantation, and he needed somebody with a fresh mind, fresh ideas, ready to do can-do attitude to help him run it. But I would tell you the location was unbelievable. Yeah. My closest neighbor, it was, it was, I would be honest, it was a very terrible situation for me, but it was one of the biggest, every time I look back to it, I'm very grateful mm -hmm. that I had that learning experience. So I said, I would love to have this job. Again, Cameroon is the place where there's not a lot of job. So if you're mm -hmm. fortunate to have a job, you'd better grab it with two hands. <laughs> so right out of college, you know, I, um, I offered, I said, yeah, I'm going to go do this job. I was 19 years old at the time. And I was asked to be a project uh, manager. I was managing people who were like 32 years old. I was ready for a responsible for scheduling work, uh, sometimes uh, negotiating, you know, the task that needed to be done and marketing. I was putting so many hats on. It was a great experience. It's plus I had my own business before then, which kind of prepared me for that, you know. And I showed up at this location and it was about, 30 kilometers away from the city center. And when I was there, I was surrounded by a bush. Wow. You know, the floor was not paved. It was like um, earth. Yeah. The walls were like uh, cement bricks. I'm not sure if the viewers or listeners will know what cement brick is. Like pretty much they made it from cement and, and gravel. And the first night was a nightmare. I'd literally be sleeping and I'll wake up and I'll see a rat that's literally walking on my blanket. I was so terrified. Oh my you know? God. And the first week I wanted to quit, but because of the mentality I had had, I was, I had never wanted to be a quitter. So I was like, you know what, just give it another week. One week came and went by. You see, I, I continued to accommodate the discomfort to mm -hmm. a place where I was able to withstand it. And then I had accommodated after one month, it became kind of a normal thing, but, the blessing in the struggle was the isolation that I had. There was no electricity. I was alone. My neighbor, I had this other family. There was a young guy from a far, far north region. 
he was with his family and small kids. In the evenings, I would sit with him, we would chat, I would have, you know, fun time with the kids. But the blessing that I had is that I was cut away from all the noise and the distraction in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave me the opportunity to think about what life is. What is life? Why is it that people are running around? What is it that people do? You know, um, I started asking deep questions. Why am I alive? What do I do? You know, why must I be rich if I have to be? Why should I be doing the things that I should do? Why do people fail? And there was this high place, like there's a mountain. Every time when I had free time, I would just go there. Even sometimes in the depth of the night, I would go there and just sit. And, and I would see, like, just be by myself. And I'll be thinking deep to myself. And that's where I crafted my 50-year life plan. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to live every single day, I should live a life worth living because that's what I chose. And I said that they I would never accept circumstances for what they are. But if I had the opportunity to exist and leave, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's not where I want to be, I should be living, ensuring that I am changing that thing. It could be in a day, it could be a month, it could be a year. But as long as I'm living, I am creating what I want. In, mm-hmm. in the present hour may not be that thing, but, you know, every single day I'm creating it. Anyways, that's the long of it. But, uh, you know, I was in that plantation. I served my boss for about eight months or so. Mm-hmm. And then I had to quit in 2016, right? That's when I applied for my first uh, visa to mm-hmm. travel. And um, when I applied, I was rejected Yeah. after that work. And it was so devastating because I knew I was going to travel. And then now I had to double my hours, increase the work. And I negotiated with my boss to say, I want to start a new arm of this business. It's the brooding, but I'd like to be a partner. And then we put in some money. It worked. I doubled the pay. The rest is history. I made some more money. I applied the second time in 2017, got rejected. In 2018, I applied the third time to come to Canada. And then I got approved. Um, That was still that idea of, you know, if you don't like the outcome, you you still have the opportunity to change it because you're still breathing. So, And if I was rejected the third time, I would still have applied. Because the reason, the whole reason they gave was, we're not satisfied that you have funds sufficient to study in Canada. So the question was, okay, so how much fun is enough? I yeah. wouldn't have never stopped. I would continue building the funds until they they, they eventually say, okay, fun, enough fun is 30,000, 20,000, 40,000 get there. So pretty much that was how um, that experience helped me to get to where I am today. Wow, it is. It is something to hear you talk about this story. And um, I just think about those nights um, and can only imagine what that was like and no electricity and rats on your blanket and, you know, living the week and saying, okay, I'll do it again. I, you're an incredible human being who's had so much um, building of, oh my gosh, just character and, and experiences that um, I can hear you talk about it and and just the passion about how you keep going and keep going. I, I mean, that leads me to my next question. You know, you say for a committed person, there's no such thing as failure, only lessons for the next try and move, which is <laughs> so clear in what you've just articulated. But what important lessons has life taught you so far? Um, maybe if I just, you know, project 
the yeah. experience that I had moving from Cameroon to Canada and how I was able to navigate from agriculture to that now having great. a secondment offer in investment banking, something which <laughs> when I when I came to Canada, everybody said, forget about it. And I'd like to share with you how it happened. All right. I did research. Yep. I asked, what does it take to be an investment banker? The core questions. And it pretty much, I didn't have a lot of knowledge about the industry, what it would take, but I knew what I wanted. I didn't know how it'd get there. So I figured I needed guidance, mentorship, teaching, somebody who has been there, know it all, somebody who knew the ropes and how do I get it? So the, the, the first time I, uh, when I got to Canada, I was focused. The first time I ever got into a, a train or ever saw a train <laughs> or ever got into an escalator, I was on a dare mission. When I came to Canada that first week, I researched top financiers in Canada. And um, I was looking for somebody with investment banking experience. And this guy's name came up, Brian DeCoster. And Brian, if you're listening to this, if you ever listen, I'm so grateful. He's still an incredible mentor to me today. <laughs> and he's the founder of Algon King Capital. And this is one of the experiences where ignorance was my bliss. In Cameroon, if you want to see somebody, you just show up. There's no booking a meeting or reservation, going on LinkedIn and sending messages. So I searched Brian Costa. where is his address? Um, you know, they... Uh, Argon King Capital was in Toronto, the city center. So I said, okay, you know, let's commute. I got my go, uh, was this Presto card, loaded it up, saw the map, it said, go to the key. All right, I went there, I asked people, how do I get to Toronto? They said, oh, this train going this direction. If you go this other way, you probably go to Grove, find this world going down. I got in the train, this is 2019. And I got to downtown Toronto, I went to his office. And I met, I think it was his secretary at the time. And I said, I'm here to see Brian DeCoster. And it was like, okay, uh, do you have a meeting with him? And I was like, okay, I don't have a meeting with him. And I already figured out that if I do not pitch myself properly, I would be sent. But of course I was properly dressed in suit, in tie, professional, holding a briefcase. <laughs> I said, I don't have a meeting with Brian DeCoster, but I can assure you, he would be very happy seeing me. I said, I just came to Canada and I think I have something which I would like to share with him. And if you let me see him just for two minutes, it would be worth his while. And she was like, okay, he's busy right now. I'm not sure you'll be able to see you. I was like, okay, just go tell him that there's this young man out here who is here to see him. And he's just asking for two minutes and he would be happy that he met this young man. And she was like, okay, let me just go talk to him. She went in and Lo and behold, I went and I saw Brian. And when I saw him, I said, sir, I know you're a very busy man. I am just new to Canada. I have uh, no experience here, but I believe that, you know, if you have a can-do attitude, you have a dream and a passion and the right leadership and guidance, you can make it work. And I'm just here to ask you this. I have two or three years to go in college, in university here in Canada. I want to be an investment banker. I am under no delusion that's easy. But I want to ask you, you have been an investment banker before. Given the impossible task that I have to do, what does it take? What can I do? And he was he was shocked. He was like, wow, I've never seen anybody do this before. 
to come in with, with courage and boldness and intentionality and the intensity that he saw in my eyes. He was like, right now I'm busy. Uh, let's schedule a meeting. Let's meet two weeks old, um, from now. I think we rather scheduled and we met about a month later and I spoke with Brian for about two hours. And pretty much I was asking him, I have two years. How can I reverse engineer being an investment banker? It's impossible, but I have two years to make it work. So we had a conversation, we laid the blueprints. There's the, the security courses, there is the leadership on campus, there is investment banking modeling and uh, Excel. And then there was a big piece networking. So pretty much I had my ground map mapped out from day one. My two years in college was just reverse engineering, making sure that everything that I needed on a resume was in the resume before I graduate, right? Leadership in school, the certificates, the university extracurricular activities, excellent grades, networking, I had two years. And so that was a, the, the result of that meeting. The rest became, how do I make it happen? How do I make it work? And then I started thinking, hmm, networking piece, how do I start? Networking investment banking, that's why I say it's one of my super talents, super skills, which I think has brought me this far. I started thinking, how do I make it work? I started with my campus colleges. The first time I got to Sheridan College, first place I went to was Career Center. I went there, I met the guy, um, Joseph Conrad. Joseph Conrad, I met him and I said, sir, I want to be an investment banker. And from the website of Sheridan College, it says that the Career Center is the place that directs students to and connect them with the resources in order to build their career. And he was impressed. He was like, okay, you know what? We have all of these career tools, resume building, you know, how to give interviews, those things. Joseph Conrad linked me up pretty much. He connected me with the talent recruiters connected me with the people who were involved in recruiting. I started having conversations, going for interviews I wasn't ready for. But those failures, those little things, I started failing early on. And I was understanding what people were looking for in, in candidates. I was getting to understand the Canadian marketplace, getting to understand you know, what they were looking for, what they were nitpicking out of candidates. And my interaction with these people had me thinking, um, oh, OK, this is how this ecosystem works. But again, the ultimate strategy for me came one day when I went to the bank and um, I'm not quite sure what I was going to do at the bank, but there was this security <laughs> guard guy. <laughs> I guess I was going to open the bank. I don't know, but there was a security <laughs> guard um, guy who was at the door. He was really kind to me and I was so pleased with him. I really felt like, oh, wow, this is a really nice guy. Whoever hired him did a great job. And then the idea struck me. Like they said, you know, if you're continuously in pursuit of success, you would find it in common hours. You know, the ways to make it work will ultimately hit you without you actively even thinking about it. That's why there's some creative, they say their most creative time is in the shower. Why? Because they have saturated their subconscious with a desire. And then, um, you know, there are principles that make sure that when your subconscious is in alignment with your goal, the how becomes possible. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, what if you were this guy? And, and then the CEO was just walking past and he had this impression on him, the CEO of this bank or the HR. And then they realized that, oh, you had a finance, you were a finance student. Obviously, if you demonstrated this character, you would gain a window into their eyes, into their spirit. 
And then if you pitch yourself as a bank, a potential candidate for the bank, and you were good, of course, you will have a job. I was like, oh, that's true. I went and searched uh, international students able to work as security guards. So I found out the place is true. They could, right? And I do the security course licenses. I, it took me two weeks. I got the security course and I spoke to my supervisor. I said, specifically, please, I want to only work in your bank locations, please. I want to be in the bank. And it worked out. The strategy of networking worked. I just wanted to be with the bank, be nice to bankers. And then they would connect me eventually. And it happened, I met another person. It was towards green. And all of them, I still maintain healthy and great relationships with them. And I, I cannot tell you the amount of job offers and opportunities that these people have brought to me. And then I had to actually handpick and say, no, this one doesn't fit well for me. This one doesn't sit well. And they continue to guide me towards this career. Stuart Green turned out to be an influential uh, senior executive at Scotia Bank, Scotia Wealth Management. And then he, he started coaching me, exposing me to the HR team of Scotiabank, uh, exposing me to so many uh, campus recruiters. And then I got to meet, I can't remember his name, is James, who was the global campus recruiter for Scotiabank. And then I got to meet uh, Suzanne Fuder, who was a capital markets recruiter for investment bank in Scotiabank. And then I got to meet, I think it was Mike, Michael, yeah. Michael, who is currently, yeah, who is currently, I think, um, he just got promoted to a new position. Yeah, Michael uh, Shelson. Michael Shelson, yes. Yeah, shout I out to Michael. Michael. <laughs> yeah, I met Michael Shelson, and I met him. I think there was a meeting we had. There was, um, I think, his top student, uh, Scotiabank Canada top student competition. I had the opportunity to go into that top student, and Michael made a presentation. I sent him a message, said, "Hi, Mike. I really was inspired by your speech." And I said, I would love to have a one-on-one -on -one with you. A very hard to reach person, but he said, sure, let's do it. And then I reached out to him. He was the first person who gave me my first shot at an investment banking interview. Of course, I flopped it because <laughs> I didn't know what they were looking for, but it gave me that opportunity to fail in the process and learn. So thank you very much, Michael. And that's how, you know, one step at a time, one network at a time, I built, I built. And then at the end, when I graduated um, from college, again, how did I get leadership experience? Because it's one of the things, that's how I got the networking, the leadership part, extracurricular. I knew that I needed to demonstrate leadership. It's something that was sought after in investment banking candidates. And I knew the ultimate place to be a leader in Sheridan was the student union, because that's where you get the opportunity to serve. But again, I had previous or prior leadership experience from my university back home where I was the student union board chair. And so how could I transfer those skills here and still serve the Sheridan student in that capacity? Um, you had to be elected. And so if I was going to be intentional about being elected in a campus that I have never met anybody before, an international student new to Canada, I needed to be intentional. So I started asking myself the question, if I were going to win an election in Sheridan, what do I need to demonstrate to prove to the students that I'm worth the candidate they're looking for? And I was going to the Pilon School of Business, which is the Hazel McKellen campus, uh, the main campus in Mississauga. So during my, my breaks, I would intentionally sit in the lounge and just observe students. And I'll be there just watching. I would see groups of students that were gathered. And usually there's always a leader in any group. 
there's always a guy who always was outspoken. There was always a guy who was more animated. And that was the person who had influence to sway the rest. And intentionally, I would approach those guys and make them my friends. I would reach out to them. Most of them are still friends today. You know, I would talk to them. Hey, man, how's it going? How's Canada? How's your experience? How is it? And I would help them with their stuff, with schoolwork. I was smart, of course. I would help them with projects and things which they needed to do. And of course, again, when election season time came, I told them like, look, I would love to serve Sheridan. I believe I have what it takes and I would love to, to contribute that aspect of myself. And they said, of course, hey man, you're a good guy. You have a good heart. And plus we believe having you there would help. And so this guy's pushed my campaign through and I got elected into the Sheridan Student Union board. And when I got in the board, I was unanimously elected to be the chairperson of the Sheridan Student Union board of directors. It happened wow. within a year. Right. I Again, that. I got so, so much experience there. Again, that's so many stories behind this. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> that's how it happened. And yeah. how did I convert that experience in investment banking? I'm not sure if there are students listening, and I hope that my strategy does inspire them to think of ways to make their own strategy. Oh, I hope they're taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I went on LinkedIn, the next one, when I got into Sherrod, uh, the BMO. I went on LinkedIn and I started liking posts, commenting on people's posts. I think even you, Bren. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember at the time you were with RBC. Yeah. And if you remember very well, there was this RBC Future Launch event that used to happen. And I would attend RBC Future Launch events. After every event I attended, I made a video of myself sharing a snippet, what I learned. And I posted it and I tagged all the people that were the panelists. And I remember super smart, by the way, super smart. <laughs> <laughs> I would put on my tie, say, oh, I just attended RBC Future Lunch. I want to thank the panelists, those who share their, you know, knowledge with us. And I would thank them and I would thank them. And I had job offers from RBC before I graduated, just so the students know, which obviously they are looking for people like that, proactive, smart, thinking of strategies. And it worked, you know, so um I was commenting on people's posts, tagging people. Every event I went to, all the panelists, I always send them a thank you note, asked them for one-on-ones, reached out to them, connected, one network at a time. That's how I grew. That's how I grew. And then for me, it changed the game when I had the opportunity to have been caught uh, my the attention of the CEO of BMO Capital Markets, because I was always engaging on his posts. And then after the post I posted when I joined BMO saying that I am passionate about the capital markets, he, I sent him a text. He, he liked my text. I was so active on Instagram. Not Instagram, I make it part on LinkedIn, where if you like my post, I get a ping. I always go and check. Is this somebody I should be connected to? As soon as I get a notification, if it's somebody I should be connected to, instantly I send them an invite, thanking them. Oh, I just saw you like my post. Thank you very much for liking it. Please, I would like to be added to your network. And when that my post went viral within BMO, I think it had 5,000 likes when I was sharing the story. That's when I started getting exposure. And then people were inviting. I was like, oh, I would like to be in a capital market investment bank. It was like, oh, really? Sure. And then um, finally, the be a capital market CEO um, asked me, oh, send me your resume. I sent my resume to him. That's how it trickled down through the corporate ladder. Finally got to campus recruitment and I got involved with the campus recruiting team, spoke with them, shared my vision, shared my interests. 
I don't know that there's a program where they allow uh, bankers to secondment with investment banking, but today I believe they are working on a program for that to happen because it makes sense if you find talent within the bank, which, you know, um, is interested in moving around. Investment banking could be very rigid, but we are very, I'm very grateful that this was, this was made possible. You know, BMO is a great place. I love the people there. But again, that's how it happened for me. Finally, it worked. You know, one network at a time, one failure at a time, one connection at a time. I was resistant, uh, persistent, you know, um, consistent as well, and it happened. So I was sharing this story just to, um, you know, paint the picture before I gave my my answer to the question you asked. You say, uh, you know, what was my outlook in life, or what's my um, opinion or feedback when it comes to being persistent? Mm -hmm. I would just have to say that you have to know your why, why are you living, right? I believe if, if I'm alive, I should be living for the reasons for which I should be alive. I may not have them right now, but the fun of being alive is creating. So I have purpose for myself, what I wanna be. So my life becomes creating that thing. The fun of living, it's about creating something, you know, and I don't think money is the ultimate joy. Having money is good, but the real joy of life and living is waking up every day and saying, this is what's important to me. And every second I have, it's about creating that thing. And if we leave from that point of view of living intentionally and not just accepting life for what it offers, but being intentional about directing the course of our lives, in the direction we want it to go, there is so much joy to be found in that process. And I think there was a famous definition of success. I don't think success is a destination. I think success is a journey, is the progressive mm -hmm. realization of a worthy idea. And so I just wanna share this with anybody. That's, that would be my outlook. Uh, determine what's important to you. And the mm -hmm. minute you set out to create it, you're a success. Yeah, yeah, no. One. 100%. And um, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much. And I think to your point, I, I really hope young professionals looking at pivoting their career or switching up in their career or just getting started with their, their opportunities and careers that they they're listening with with intent because you've shared so much great feedback and content that I think um, anyone could take this and apply it to their life. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to chat about is um, and and clearly your your journey has been one that's uh, been been with lots of twists and turns. But when you think about in Canada, it's what we call Black History Month, and the theme this year is right. Black Resistance. You know what, what what does this mean? You know to someone who's come to Canada as a newcomer who's now living here, um, and and recognizing that Canada has this Black History Month, um, what what does it mean to you? Sure, I think uh, Black History Month is a time where we celebrate the history of the Black race. We uh, recognize their suffering, but we also celebrate their achievements and accomplishments. And for me, I understand that there's been a lot of growth and change. When I speak to people who were here before me and who started the fight of, you know, getting recognition, 
for the black people. And now I stand benefiting from their investments, from their sweat, their blood, you know. And I thank them for investing themselves to make sure that we, the generation that are up and coming, get these opportunities that we are getting representation in different sectors and industries like investment banking and I am here having this conversation about being a, a secondment uh, you know candidate and so for me it's I am very emotional about it and I feel a great sense of gratitude how far you know the struggle has come for this recognition of equality across the board for everybody again um I may not have experienced the kind of discrimination that others did. And that's primarily because they experienced it and they fought it and they won, right? And as society, I see that we continue to evolve and not just black folks contributing their voices and experiences, you know, to make sure that other people have better experiences. Immigrants, you know, not just blacks as well, but diversity is recognized, there's inclusivity in decision-making, there's representation across the board. So for me, Black History Month is a time where we recognize these things, the struggles, but also celebrates the, celebrate the milestones and the successes that have been recorded this thus far. So for me, um, talking about Black resistance, I think of my experience, you know, it's, it's one of resistance, it's one of, uh, you know, pushing the limits, it's one of, continuously showing up even in places which may not necessarily welcome you but saying that you know I deserve to be in this place because I want to be in this place that's what black history black history month or black um yeah black history month represents to me in this case the theme is black resistance so mm -hmm. again if there's anybody out there maybe black or not I want to also encourage them to resist any form of oppression any form of uh, bias, any form of stereotypes which are not necessarily welcoming, you know, don't just walk away. You have to be resistant to negativity. Anything which compromises the collective good of humanity, we all need to stand up and resist it. Absolutely. Think, when I think about it, that's the black resistance for me. You know, we have to stand together and fight for one another and resist oppression and negativity and bias and discrimination until and unless we all come into that spot and place where everybody is welcomed in their own skin and, and, and celebrated for who they are, we have to continue to resist and push the limits. 100%, 100%, what, very well said. Um, wow, I could, I'm, I'm sitting here drinking my coffee and I could sit here and listen <laughs> to you talk all day. I know we're getting close to the end, but I have one last question, if you don't mind, um, that I wanted to ask you which is referring to yourself as an opportunity magnet. Um, I love that concept. Um, what does that mean and, and how, 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 does, how does that work? And maybe how could our listeners benefit from understanding what that means? Sure, I, I do refer to myself as an opportunity magnet, just of course, in terms of the mindset around that and what it represents. I think, um, when you chase opportunities, sometimes they may continue to, to elope. That's why you're chasing it. But I think opportunity is about self-positioning. It's about positioning yourself in a place or in the fast lane of opportunities. And I think if somebody listening to this and say, oh, I have not always had the opportunities. I think it's because potentially 
you are in the wrong place. Being an opportunity magnet is about being a type of person that opportunities like. You know, I'm very fortunate to have come to this country from an agricultural background, and I've had so many, in this case, job offers, if we talk in terms of opportunities, so many job offers that I had to had the opportunity to say, um, this one doesn't seem to be in the direction that I'm going. This one doesn't seem to be in the direction I'm going and being able to maintain my course. And so I give an analogy. There are two persons who are hungry and they want to eat, say, a fruit, say mango. I like mango. That's why I'm using this <laughs> analogy, <laughs> right? And so say it's winter. And then one person, both of them go under a mango tree. They are sitting under that mango tree. Obviously, it's withered. It's dry. There's one person who would be there and all his focus on is like, hmm, you know what? This tree is dry. There's nothing on this tree. Nothing good can come out from this tree. There's one other person who is looking at that tree and being like, hmm, actually, it's winter. It's dry. But, you know, it's off season. There's a season that's going to come where this tree is going to bear fruit. And all he does is he waits for those factors that will cause the tree to bear fruit. He focuses on the factors that will cause that tree to bear fruit. He looks at the soil. How can I improve the soil so this tree can bear fruit? If there's a wind, how can I shield the wind? How can I improve the tree? Can I fertilize this tree? The other person only focuses on it's winter, it's cold, this tree is dry. And then they wait for four or three months. As soon as spring starts, or they lose their patient, and then they see another tree that's beginning to spring, right? And then they rush over there, only to discover that that's a young tree. It's not yet in the fruit-bearing stage. This other guy just sits on the same tree, year in, year out. I can bet you, if you sit under a mango tree long enough, a day will come when one of the mangoes will drop on your lap. I, that's why I call an opportunity marketing positioning yourself the opportunities will fall it doesn't matter if it takes a year then yes there's an assurance that if you stay in the same place if a mango is what you want and you stay under that mango tree focusing only on the factors that will cause that mango tree to produce mangoes focus only on those things one day you would surely eat a mango tree a mango fruit but the other person can keep jumping around looking for signs of mango. They may go to a tree, impatience, they jump to the next, they jump to the next. And when I say I'm an opportunity magnet, it's because I focus on the factors that are attractive to opportunity. Yeah. Being a good person, developing my skills. I took CFA, I'm currently taking my CFA level two. Of course, people want people with the CFA designation. If I have my CFA designation, they would definitely want to hire me. I wouldn't lack a job if I'm good at networking. Currently, I'm taking, I read, I read this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, investing in my mind, investing in my skills, building networks. Like this opportunity for this, um, this talk, which you invited me for, I'm very grateful. I believe after this is aired, there are so many people around the world that will listen to this and be like, Dan, Noel is smart. I like to have him on my team. Or like, wow, this guy is really extraordinary. How can I have him? <laughs> How can I hire him? You see, this guy, he speaks differently. That's right. How can I get to work with him, right? That's being an opportunity magnet. I'm positioning myself in a place where, you know, opportunities attracted to me. There are people out there 
And I always say this, um, if you want something and you don't say it, every time you meet people around, you have, there's somebody that you're in contact with who has what you're looking for, but they don't know that you're looking for what they have. Mm-hmm. And we pass those people every day. But if you do not voice it in a way that is acceptable to them to give it to you, they would never even know that you want it. And even if they know and you're not the right person, they wouldn't give it to you. So my job every day is to grow my skills and voice my desires. If I grow my skills and I'm the right person, and I voice my desire, I would never worry about opportunity. Amazing. You know what? Grow your skills and share your desires and talk about your desires. That is so key. Um, and the other thing that I want to share, just uh, your opportunity magnet story and understanding that, first of all, I'll never look at a mango the same any, again. Uh, <laughs> when I see them in the stores, I'm going to look at it as opportunities um, and think about you and uh, and also think about your authenticity when you do it, um, the real person that's behind it. And I think the character that comes with that, right? Because you you exude all of those things, which is why people are attracted to talk to you, why I was attracted to meet you and learn more about you and, and stayed connected over the last few years, but just running into you recently and then having you come on the podcast. This to me is one of my, my most uh, treasured gifts to have you here. Um, I can't tell you how much I'm... I know we're doing this on on voice, but I'm smiling ear to ear just listening to your story and you, your you. inspiration. And um, man, it was it was so great to have you today. I can't thank you so much. I'm very grateful. Thank you very much, Brian, for you know the opportunity to tell my story and hopefully inspire some other person out there to believe in their possibility and go after it with everything that they have. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. For our listeners, if you liked what you heard today, and I am sure you did, please share this podcast with your networks. Please continue to tune in for more upcoming episodes. This has been Coffee with Convery, and until next time, stay well.